Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, where each episode will give you the tools and resources to help your child thrive in school and in life. Please rate and review this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Hello, everyone. Today, we are joined by Miss Unique from Becoming Unique, who is a mom of two girls on a journey to becoming herself outside of being a mom. And you can catch her journey on her informative podcast called Becoming Unique. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Unique, for joining the Cypher today. Oh, hey, thank you for having me. (laughs) So what is so great about Unique beyond her podcast and just, she's just a beautiful soul because we and her talked like a couple of weeks ago before she even came on is that she reached out to me because she wanted to share with the community. She wanted to help us all out with different journeys. And she's going to share her journey today about getting her child in private school through private placement. In New York, they call it something different, right? Yes, NPS. For special education, it's NPS for non-public school. Take us on a journey. (laughs) Okay. It was definitely, definitely a journey. And looking hindsight, I was definitely so blessed the way everything just kind of fell into place for me. But what I want to say at the beginning, because everything worked out for me in the long run, but when I was going through the storm, (laughs) you couldn't see the non-storm. I was mm-hmm. going through the storm at the time, and I just want to let everyone know, even though you may feel discouraged with the storm, keep going, because the storm will end, and you will rise on top if you just keep going. You don't want to just give up and just surrender to the storm, and now you're standing in the rain, soaking wet, when you could have just kept going and got out of the storm. Right. So. I just wanted to kind of say that because I know people get discouraged. They may see things that just they don't understand. It looks out of their range. Prices may look expensive. They may be talking about you need a lawyer. You need a doctor to do an evaluation, a psychiatrist. And then that's talking about $5,000 and this and that. And some of those things can be like a sideball to be like, oh, I don't know if I can afford to do this. And you start talking yourself out of the journey of making sure that your child gets into the right place that they need to be in. Right. So (laughs) I made my whole spiel (laughs) (laughs) about, I guess, my disclaimer about this. Um, But yeah, so my journey started when my daughter was about three years old. I finally surrendered and said, maybe she needs some early intervention. So I started the process with the state, getting my doctor's reports and all that type of stuff to start the process. Because you know, everything is a process. You don't just call someone and say, hey, I think I need this. And you get it the same day when it comes to special education. You have to go through the process. Mm -hmm. So time she got approved of psychiatrists coming to the home and all that type of stuff, doing their reports and evaluation, she was past the stage of early intervention. So now she was going into school age, which is like three and four years old, because at that time they can go to the pre-K centers and so on. So during my journey, this was one part where it was like kind of like the divine intervention. I came across this program that I had no idea that it was for children with special education needs and so on. And I was just walking down the street and then I looked in, I was like, what is this new place in my neighborhood? I had no idea what it was, but I took their information. 
I had the information, I inquired, but of course they were a process too. It's like, you have to come in for an interview. You have to come in for a tour. You have to do this. You have to do that. They had their own process. So even though I may have wanted that program, it still was going to take me three to four months to get that program if they were going to take me. So in the meantime, now I had my meeting with the board of education they pulled me in and they said, okay, you know what? Your child needs a school-age program. We have a program for you. Take this plate. They told me what to take, the Board of Education, the state. And I told them, I said, well, it's this program. And I told them the name of it. I was like, I think I want my daughter there. They kind of blew me off. They was like, oh, you don't know if you're going to get that. Just take this place because these places come. that You may not be able to get a spot. These places are not just available like that. So I took the placement, and it was during the summer. So she was entering for the summer program. So in New York, if your child has an um, a IEP, they may have a 12-month IEP. So that means she has a summer session. So she goes to school in July and like half of August. So it's like a six-week summer session. So we did the summer session at this particular center, like early childhood education center. And my daughter did not speak one word to anyone during that whole six weeks. Even when they went like on a trip to the park, she wouldn't even walk. They had to carry her. She was on complete shutdown. And the program the one that, that was the recommended state, by the state. Yes. She was mm-hmm. on complete shutdown. And then when I would walk her to school, she would be talking to me and stuff. And then one day, like the director of the program was like, I know you can talk. I hear you talking to your mother. Why you won't talk to us? (laughs) You know, it was just like, you better talk to me, talk to me. But she still gave complete shutdown. And during this time frame, I was going through the process with the other place that I saw, that divine intervention that just showed me this place during my process. So then I got accepted into that program. And so now I told this school, like towards the end of this program, I was like, oh, we won't be back coming back for the fall. She's been accepted into X, Y, and Z program. They were upset because I guess in their mind, they planned out their budget and that my child was going to be a part of their budget budget for the fall. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they should have looked at my child and said something is deeper is going on she hasn't spoken to any of us maybe we are not the right program for her mm-hmm. you know um and you know and that's why i think schools should also be able to see you know are we the right match for your child because your, your child has to be able to thrive here and if right. your child is uncomfortable for some reason or whatever the case is they're not going to thrive it's just a waste of you know she's just there wasting time and that's the difference between schools who are in it for politics and for money and the ones who are really concerned about the progress of your child. Yes. So we need to be mindful of that when we're like looking out for schools and so on, just watching on their interactions. Like, are you more concerned with my child or making sure you get (laughs) that piece of that check that comes? (laughs) Right. So now the school that the government or the state um, referred me to, they were like a 10 to one to one. So it was 10, ca- 10 kids to two teachers, the one to one. But the school that she was accepted into was a eight to one to one. So now I needed to make a new appointment with the state again to get her IEP changed. And so when I go into my meeting with the state, I'm waiting in the waiting room and I see the director of the program that I told that I told that I would not be returning. She was there. I was like, why is she here? So it was politics. 
they told her to come because I didn't inform her when my IEP meeting was. They told her to come. She was in my meeting and she refused to let my child change her IEP. She was like, she was in this program. She was fine with 10 kids. There's no need to change it. And the person with the state kind of like was on team with her because they've been working with each other for probably 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So they were on team each other. And now I'm just some parent. <laughs> but I did not let down, even though my voice was quivering and shaking. And now I'm like getting like disoriented with my words. I was, and the only thing I kept saying is she did not speak to anyone for six weeks. She did not speak to anyone for six weeks. And then it was her birthday during that time because her birthday's in the summer. And then I had like my phone and I pulled, tried to pull the video out. I was like, look at her head. It's her birthday. She's looking down. She can't even look up. Like, you know, you know, I'm trying to prove and fight my case. But finally, this woman felt my energy, the director from the other program. And then she finally gave in and said, you know what? I guess mom knows best. And then the state was like, okay, we'll change the IEP. So now I'm thinking, I'm like, Scott Free. I was in this program, amazing. Within a day when I came to pick up my daughter, I was like, how was she? You know, did she speak? It was like, yeah, she spoke. And I questioned them. I was like, you sure she spoke? They was like, yes, she spoke. It was like, did you go to Petco this weekend? I was like, yes. She was like, she told us. I was like, wow. So she spent six weeks in one program and did not speak one word. And then the next program, she was speaking within the day. Mm -hmm. So this just proves that we need to be mindful that, you know, we have to put our children in the right environment. People are going to try to throw like curveballs at you just as that other program did to try to stop me from getting to the next place. But we have to stay strong to what we want and make sure we get there. It was so important that I got into this school because this school was they directed me the rest of the way because I was completely, completely clueless about this whole special education system. I may have had like misinformed information about special education before being a special education mom. Mm -hmm. I think with special education, I looked at it as one thing in the urban community. A lot of times people joke about special education. Oh, right. the short, the, the short, short bus, bus, the short yellow bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or then they speak about it in such a negative yeah. tone all the time. It's always jokeful. Oh, you know, you belong in the short bus. Oh, you stupid. Oh, you this, oh, you that. And then it's like, you can't even try to have an issue without feeling like you're going to be ridiculed from the community as well as the assumption sometimes by relatives that you want something to be wrong with your child because there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with them yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah everyone develops and grows so differently and if a, someone is some people they get it they go to school there's no issues they just understand everything they comprehend it they can take it all in and then some other people, it takes a while to process it or they see things backwards or, or whatever the case is. And we have to be understanding to that. If someone is a natural ballerina, like I'm just, I'm thinking about one of my daughters, she was a natural at dancing. She went into a dance class, she could kick her leg up and it's no problem. Where the next person, they could be trying so hard just to kick their leg and they can't even get it. And we don't look at it as like, oh, what's wrong with you? You can't dance. What's your problem? We just accept it. Like, oh, okay, dancing's not your thing. You, we need to accept like, okay, you learn differently to that child that may learn different. It's like we put 
education as everyone's supposed to be in one straight line of learning. And it's not like that. Right. I love the fact that you were able to advocate from the standpoint of what your child is going through. And I feel like sometimes parents, like they had you in that situation where you were like probably inside, like what is going on? But I love that way that you were steadfast. And I know that this other school, this other choice is what's best for my daughter. And you were able to advocate from that place. And sometimes when you're in those IEP meetings and you're alone. I'm going to split like that. And when I say you're alone is there are a team of people sitting at the table and they've already decided politically yeah. where your child is going to go. Mm-hmm. From a yeah. piece of paper too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They haven't even met your child and they're just looking at a piece of paper and deciding what they know best for your child. Mm-hmm. And you have to dig in and realize that beyond all the degrees, all the tests, you are the parent. And no one ever is going to know your child better than you. And you have to dig deep with, with their experience. You have to bring out their experience beyond those test scores and those written reports in yeah. real time. And you con- consistently saying she has not spoken to the people in this program for six weeks. So this isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to recognize that because someone else may have said, oh, they may have looked at the easy road. She's in the school. I don't have to worry about it. I don't even have to look for another school and just keep them in that school and not look at the bigger picture and say, oh, well, you know what? Maybe she is not developing the way she should be. So I think we also just got to be mindful of it because I think sometimes in life, not even just with this, just a lot of things in life, we're already in it. And then Mm -hmm. we just stay there when instead of growing from it right because we're we're comfortable and you know we're comfortable it's you already it's already set but in all honesty even the programs that your children are in or will be in your children grow and sometimes that program isn't a good fit and you have to not start all over again but you gotta do something different so yeah you have to shift yeah you they can outgrow it or things change but the program that she got accepted into, oh my God, they were amazing. And I would have never found out about the NPS, non-public schools mm-hmm. program, the state paying for them, if it wasn't for this school. The other school, that definitely was not on their radar. And this school, they were on top of it. And they knew every school in New York. So they knew what school would be best fit for my child. Mm-hmm. Because even when I was talking with other parents, they was like, oh, I went to visit this school and that school. I was like, why didn't they give me that school? And then when I went back to her counselor, they broke it down because they knew my child and understood my child. I'm just looking at like, I want to look at all the schools. Why didn't you give me all the schools? And they was like, your child doesn't have those issues. Those schools specialize in this and your child is just working with more with anxiety and this and that. This is the direction your child needs to go. And that's the other thing we need to be mindful. Like we may also look at a school and be like, ooh, it looks pretty, it looks shiny, but is this the school the right match for your child? They may look pretty and shiny, but it may not be the right match. Right, and it may be shiny, pretty, they have an awesome curriculum, but when we start talking about private placement or non-public school placement, and we're looking at private schools, especially in special education, they have niches. So you have school where it's about autism. You have a school that support ADHD. You have schools that support dyslexia. So depending on the program and your child, every school is, is not a good fit. Like even the school my son is in right now, 
um, initially it was a great fit because his sensory issues superseded his academic issues. Like it was the barrier to access his academics. Now I'm at the point and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I feel like this is not a good fit because now his academic has triggered in his self-confidence. And that's another important thing with even when you're speaking to your daughter, like not speaking and then speaking, the self-confidence that a child gains from a very good nurturing environment that fits for them, that almost overnight, like you said, like overnight, all of a sudden, it's like you have a new child because like for my son, being able to embrace that he he went from, I can't learn and I don't know to you have to tell me in a way that I can understand. So now he's not the problem. You're just not giving it to him in a way that he can understand, but he knows that he's capable. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to make sure that we're mindful that we're going to find a program that's going to customize their mm-hmm. curriculum to your child because we have special children that may learn a little bit differently from the mainstream right. and it's fine, but we just have to put a little more extra TLC with it to make sure that they get to their highest potential. Right. The school that's going to actually fit them. And then on that note, I want to talk about this politics of the school choice real quick. And we both have our children in private school or NPS programs. And there is a, I'm not, I don't want to say a lot, but my experience, there's a lot of politics that go between the state and some of these private schools when it comes to placement, especially Mm -hmm. if the program, I mean, like I went to visit a bunch of schools. My journey was a little different. And I found that the schools that for all intents and purposes were like that had the best programs, they were almost full, but they still had space. And I had to do, I had to do my own legwork. I had to call the schools and ask them, like, my son is in this grade. You have any space? Because the state literally was trying to put me in the schools that they chose. And as far as I was concerned, um, it wasn't, it didn't fit for my son. And I didn't feel like as far as quality, I didn't feel like they had a quality program. But yeah. Right. So I had to do that extra legwork before I sat at the table. Um, And like you said, the state has programs where they know each other, they have relationships and Mm -hmm. they have have seats to fill. Yes, exactly. Just like the pre-K program that she was going to or the early childhood education, they had a relationship. They was not thinking about my child at the beginning of that meeting. That woman wanted to fill a seat in her program so they can make sure their budget was done. And, and she had a connection with, with the state where she knew she was gonna get that money guaranteed. So yeah, like it, we gotta be mindful to just definitely make sure, it, politics is gonna be politics and they gonna do what they gonna do, but you gotta make sure, like you said, advocate for your child so you don't fall into that rabbit hole of what they want you to fall into. Right. And then the, pre-program that I had her in, the three fours, before she went to kindergarten, when it was time to look at her elementary school, they warned me. They said, when you go to your meeting, they're going to suggest to you that you do District 75. Do not do District 75. They warned me on how it was going to go. So because I was completely new to this world, I had no idea. And if I was doing this by myself, I may have gone down the rabbit hole with the state wanted because I'm listening to them as they are the authority figure. They're the professionals. They know what they're talking about. And then I may have fell down the rabbit hole and then it would have been harder to climb out because you're already kind of stuck 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, which way do I go? So I'm so thankful to that program because they honestly directed me into the direction that I needed to be directed into. And then they are the ones that told me about the MPS program. So when my daughter went to elementary school, she got into a school. And now also, this is the part that I was talking about at the beginning, where a lot of things are going to come in and it's going to kind of try to discourage you, but you got to keep going to get your way through the storm. When it was time to apply for schools, it felt very discouraging because of the fact that these schools only take about eight kids. They have one kindergarten class because they're special education. There's only eight kids in the class. And it was like, wait a minute, how in the world is she going to be accepted where it's only eight kids? And I'm going on these tours and these tours are full. The houses are full from back to front. I'm like, there's a lot of special education kids out here. And these, all these parents want seats. So it's like, will my family be worthy enough to get one of these eight seats? So that part was eating at me as well, too. I was like, oh, will this happen? I don't know. Maybe I have to look into something else. So we just also got to be mindful not to let that type of stuff eat at us. Because I even like someone I met a couple of years ago, she had a daughter that was going into kindergarten. And I was telling her, I was like, there's something called the NPS program. She did not have her daughter in the school like I did, where they was directing me and helping me out. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is something called NPS, go on the tours, help. I was just giving her all the information that I had because I already went through the process, but she was excited and all that type of stuff. But she started getting discouraged. She was like, you know, they cost like $50,000. I was like, girl, don't worry about price. It was just like all these things. She's finding reasons why she shouldn't apply. So that ate at her. I don't know what her end result was, but at that time when I was speaking to her, I was taking the class. And so I was seeing her every day during that class time. But then when the class ended a few months later, I didn't see her anymore. So I don't know where her end story ended up being, but I saw her getting sidetracked and discouraged because she was just thinking her worthiness wasn't there. Just like I was thinking like, why would they accept us when there's lots of other people? And there's also other people that didn't look like me. So then it's making like, Oh, maybe these schools are meant for them and not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with that, I know guys, like for, for people who are not familiar with the process, we're talking about school interviews and private placement. So one of the steps to getting your child into a private school or MPS program is that you have to go through the private school's regular admissions process. And part of that process is filling out the application, doing a tour and having your child come in for a visit. And during the tour, they talk about their program most often. I don't know about for unique, but most often, and I've been to a lot of schools, you may be the only black person mm-hmm. in that room, or it might yep. be another one, might be one in that particular admissions group. And they talked about the program as you're walking through the school, you are going to notice it is not that many black and brown children. Then after you tour the school, go into this room. And then they talk about how many slots they have. They also talk about, you know, the admission process as far as the application fee. And sometimes some schools will break down and say, oh, well, are you going to do an NPS? Are you going to do a non-public school placement? And then they'll actually segue into that conversation for people who are in the room who are doing that. But sometimes they don't. And they just say, hey, this tuition is $40,000 a year. And you're like, what? I'm going to interrupt you because when you said the application fee, Mm -hmm. I have an FYI. 
because I had like eight schools to apply to and each application fee was $100 or $75. I was like, what? That's like $800. Mm-hmm. So the school said, just tell them your low income. Right. They will waive the application fee. So just remember that. They're not going to say send your taxes, prove that you're low income. Just say I'm low income or I plan on applying for financial aid. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. sometimes if you tell them that you're private placement by the state, they will waive that altogether. But most definitely, even without the special education I have two children that I sent to private schools and I just told them like, I'm low income. So they waived the application fee. It's the same thing with tuition. Like the main thing in this conversation is you don't let money hold you back. You don't let the fact that you may be the only black and brown person in that room, because guess what? The fact that you the only black and brown person in the room, they need you. Cause I mean, I'm going to be real with you. It's a quota. It's a quota they have to fill. So just go in and you just keep trying. And with my son, who is in a special education program, we visited three schools. He got into one because they had the space, but I have another journey with my kids with just private school in general. And we did a lot of applications and they got into the school that was meant for them, but I never let money deter me. I will never forget. I went to an admissions, one of the tours, and um, there was another sister there. And she was like, how do you like the school? And I was like, it's nice. You know, that resistant, like, it's nice. But this number was in my, it must have been on my face. And she said, what is it? Is it the money? And I was like, yeah, that's a lot of money. She said, let me give you a tip. She said, you don't ever look at the money because you're not paying that. She was like, if you're not a millionaire, billionaire, you're not paying that. So you don't ever look at that. The only thing you ever focus on is getting your child in and being positive and Mm -hmm. that's not just general private school it's with special placement you just keep your eye on the prize yep and just own it own it yep (laughs) yep yeah the confidence needs to be there we can't get like we see that storm and we see all this stuff coming against us and we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel we can't let that stuff get to us just keep going you're gonna get there just keep going don't look back just keep going just keep Mm -hmm. going So yeah, just remember, that's when I think I actually learned about the whole application fee thing because I didn't know that because I was like, what? I got to pay all this money for application fees? They was like, oh no, just tell them you're going to apply for financial aid. Like, no, don't even think about that girl. It was like, that was like the smallest worry for them. Like, are you even questioning this? Like, girl? Just, just apply to the school. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, don't let anything get in your way of what you want. Because honestly, the universe will give you what you're seeking. Mm-hmm. That's the rule of life. But the universe also listens to that inside voice too. So if you're thinking you're not worthy enough for the program, then you know what? You done told the universe that too. They can hear inside you. And mm-hmm. I'd like to add, life is life. So you have your ups and downs. But one of the things I did with my kids is we would go for visits and they would come back. I'm like, did you like the school? If your child is verbal or was it fun? Like just have a conversation with them. Do you want to go there? And then they would be like, yeah, you got to own it. And that creates like this shift in energy. Because if your energy is not there, but your child's energy is there, Mm -hmm. they'll get it. I will never forget. We went to a lot of schools and my daughter came out. She said, I'm going to the school. And it was all girls schools was prestigious. I was shaky on my energy. Mm-hmm. She was like, what do I need? I was like, well, you need Tesco. She's like, I got that. I was like, great. She's like, I got that. I was like, oh, okay. She, she visualized like, herself. She was like, she, I already see myself there. So it's done. This is exactly. And she deal. said, I'm going there. I'm going there. Yep. And that was the only school she got accepted to. Yep. And, so, and thank goodness. And sometimes that's like a blessing too, because 
when you do have like a couple of acceptances, then mm-hmm. it kind of makes you get distracted on the prize. So sometimes when it's only a one acceptance, it's a blessing. Just a food for thought on that one. I'm just thinking about some things with my college daughter's experience, even though she wasn't special education. It was just that some schools she thought she was like sliding into those schools because she does musical theater. So she had like auditions and stuff like that. And like she got great feedback. She just thought she was accepted and she didn't. We don't know why, the reasoning why she didn't. And the couple of schools that she didn't get accepted, we look back and we say, thank God, because if she would have got accepted to those schools, she may not have went to a school that she's going to now, which is the perfect match for her. So mm-hmm. the universe knows what you need as well, too. Sometimes you may be like, oh, I only got accepted to one school. You know, <laughs> no, that's the one that was meant for you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then another part of the admissions is sometimes schools ask for a separate testing And here's the part of that, like you don't let that deter you as well, because the schools will waive those fees as well as discount those fees. And some people will say, well, I already had the testing with the school. This testing is different. But another part with private school testing, me and Unique were talking about um, a couple of weeks ago is sometimes it's, it's good to have someone else test your child outside of the system. Yeah, especially if it's, I'm going to be real. So most private schools will actually have a list of testers. In their opinion, those are the best people who to do the testing in their area, right? And my daughter was tested by someone that I could afford. And then she was tested by one of the people that I was referred to by the school. And here's the difference. The tester I paid for through my health insurance, they diagnosed my daughter with one thing and it actually was wrong. It was in the vein, but it was incorrect. The person that the school referred, and here's another little caveat for some people who don't know. If your child goes to a private school and they're getting financial aid, the school will pay for testing. So in my daughter's case, they paid for her testing. And it was like $5,000 and the school paid for that. And came to find out she had a different diagnosis and she had an additional one. And that is like the difference. And that's why it is worth, be it a discount or be it free, but you do have to advocate and you have to let the school know. There's no, look, there's no shame in my game because I will tell people real quick, um, I'm not driving a Porsche and everybody Mm -hmm. up in this, my kids' schools driving a Porsche, Lamborghini, y'all rich. I'm not rich. I'm not poor either, but guess what? I'm going to get whatever I need for my daughter for her to be her best person when she becomes an adult. Yeah. As far as the testing, I agree. We've done the testing two times when she was going into the elementary and now she went into middle school. And both of the times from the two different schools, the state was never suggested, never, because the state is going to write those reports in favor for the state to put your child in the state school, Mm -hmm. if that's not what you want. So the testers that are usually being referred to you, they know the system. They know how to word those reports to favor your child. That's just food for thought too. So if the school is suggesting this tester, they're suggesting it for a reason because that tester knows how to write those reports and they understand this process that we're going through. Because mm-hmm. you want your child to get accepted for whatever the program is that they're going towards. So in New York, the test is going for about $5,000 right now. Um, and when I was doing elementary school, I, I feel like it was maybe three or $4,000. The first time around the school, they gave me a tester and they said, give what I can. Mm-hmm. 
So they volunteered someone to me. And then the second time around, they gave me suggestions and stuff like that. And I even tried to see if I can try to get as cheap as I could, go through like college programs to see if they can do the testing and so on. But I ended up going with the school suggested. But the tester, she set her price. I said, I can't afford that. And she worked with me. She said, don't tell anybody at the school how much I'm charging you. And she worked with me and she gave me a payment plan. So that's another thing to think about. Have a conversation. Don't just think, oh, they said $5,000 and this is the final price. See what you can work out. Make a deal. (laughs) Just ask. Yeah, just ask. You never know what you can get just by asking. You never, ever, ever know. Even now, I have a son who, he's in private school, special education, but he's there on scholarship. And anytime I have issues with financial aid or like paying my bill, they're like, well, what do you need? They ask me because I have a habit of sometimes like, oh, well, I'm going to do it. And they're like, do you need more time? And I'm like, well, sure, I'll take that extra time. (laughs) I'll take that extra time if you want to give it to me because it wasn't an option. They said 10-month plan. It wasn't an option for a 12-month plan. But Uh when... The federal government shut down and we had some issues and I had to tell them that. And she, you want me to extend it for you? It's okay. It's all about a lot of times these schools are really into community. And this is a time where you can't be intimidated because you are the only black person in the school. Start to talk to people, talk to the teachers, talk to the administrators, build that relationship with them. And then when things happen or there is a struggle, you won't feel some kind of way when you have to ask, like, I don't have it. You know, I remember my daughter went to a ski trip and I was like, ooh, that ski trip, like $500. And I wrote an email basically saying um, she would love to go. Unfortunately, we don't have it in our budget. And they were like, oh no, she's on financial aid. We cover the majority of her trip. You just have to pay $200. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank you very much. But yeah, I had communication to, so key. But communication, yeah. vulnerability, I know it's a struggle because we strong and we can do it ourselves. But in these circumstances, it's about community and environment. A lot of times, like me and Nick were talking about the power and conversation. So onboarding with just the state, it can be really isolating. Like it isolates you in your experience because you're not talking to another parent. So you can't really tap into someone else's experience as well as what resources they may have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is such a good conversation. And it's like we're pointing out so many points. I had something on the tip of my tongue that I wanted to say in reference. Oh, yes, this was what it was. Back when I was talking about how I only had one idea of what special education was in the past, until I had a special education child. Now I understand there's so many levels to special education. It's not one box. Mm -hmm. And even when you're doing your IEP, there's so many different categories on the IEP that they can check off. One that many people may know is maybe like emotionally disturbed where your child may have a lot of tantrums in class or whatever the case is. But what my child was put under was speech and language delay. That's what's on her IEP. So I'm saying this because when you're looking at these schools, each school's qualifications on what they accept is different. Mm -hmm. So you can't just say this is a school for special education. And then your child may have ED on their IEP. And there's a lot of schools that do not take children with ED emotionally disturbed or something. I hope I'm saying the right ED with emotionally disturbed, in which I realized a lot of schools did not accept that. But a lot of people may unknowingly have that checked off on their IEP. So 
just be mindful that we are, you're knowing what box is being checked off for the diagnosis of your child from the state. Right. And then also be mindful on what categories the schools are accepting because you may fall in love with a school and say, yeah, this school is really perfect for my child. I can see my child here. And all of a sudden, your child has something completely different on the IEP. And I had no idea that speech and language delay was a special education (laughs) until my child had that box checked off. Oppositional defiant disorder, so ODD. And with that, what I wanted to chime in and say is it's important to know what's being checked off But it's also important that you understand if you agree with the diagnosis. Like you said, children who are diagnosed with ODD, it's really hard for placement. In the the schools that do place, I can only go by D.C. I don't know about New York or any other place. But um, a lot of those schools, you wouldn't want your child to go there. Um, So, you know, just be mindful of the diagnosis. But also you know, have a representative. Get a representative if you're not sure from the very beginning. When you start the process and you say, okay, I want my child to be tested. And this is not just at the beginning. At any time, you can get a representative because if you're unsure of what's going on and you don't actually have a relationship with your school, like in my case with my youngest son, I had a relationship with them for over seven years. And my other son was in special education. So I was familiar with everyone. So I felt secure, but I also did all of my own work. I took classes. I did a lot of things. So I was my own advocate beyond the people at the table. But if you are unsure, get yourself Mm -hmm. a representative. Talk to another parent if you can in your school. Get support because in those cases, it's not saying like once the box is checked, it can't be unchecked. But once the box is checked, they make it hard to get that box unchecked. Mm-hmm. And also a representative could maybe be your child's teacher. I didn't know anything about a representative at the time. But my daughter's school, like when I had my first meeting with her going into elementary school, her school showed up. Her school came to the meeting and they spoke for me. And I was just sitting there like, oh my goodness, I don't know how. If I could have advocated like they did, they explained my daughter to the T, the reason why she could not take a New York State public school and that it would not be the right fit for her and that they suggested, they gave the suggestion. They didn't wait for the state to give the suggestion. They gave the suggestion. It was like, because of X, Y, and Z, this is why this is not going to be a right fit for her. And because of X, Y, and Z, we suggest that we put on this report here, she's going to go to an NPS school. And I was like, wow. Also, they came on their own because that was just the standard of that particular school that she was in. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can ask your child's teacher and say, hey, I may have a hard time with like advocating for my child. Besides me, you're the next closest person to my child. Will you be able to come to this meeting and help me advocate to make sure my child is put into the right place? Yes. And ask them, talk to them beforehand. I mean, in my case, when we went to sit down with the state, we went in as a team. So it was his teachers. It was his therapist. We all went in. We went into that table saying he's going to get private placement. And when the state, basically, she tried to tell us, well, we feel like you haven't done everything. It actually was his speech therapist who spoke up. He was like, so what exactly do you need to indicate you feel like he needs private placement? Because we're telling you what it is. And she was like, well, 
basically it's not up to her. We have to agree. And then they have to go ahead and place him. So we were like, okay, well, we all agree. Everybody say yes. And everybody said yes, but you can have other people to support you. You do not have to go in by yourself. Yeah. Because the state is looking out to save money Mm -hmm. and they don't know your child personally. You know, they know a piece of paper and they know that they have quotas to fill too. Like they can't go over budget. They can't just mm-hmm. be sending all these kids to $50,000 schools and have to cut the check. Mm-hmm. Um, because when your child in New York, if your child's not going to a public school and they're going to one of these private schools, now the government needs to write a check to that private school. So, of course, they're saving money if they can keep them in their system. Right. Or in a private school that isn't, I'm going to say, quality. I mean, there's different programs and I'm only going to go by what I've seen and I've seen a lot of different special education programs. And I find that the state will typically try to push you to the ones that are not high quality, but also that price point is very different from the one that is a quality school. Yeah. As a parent, we just have to, we got to put the work in because it's not just like getting them to pay for it. You also got to be out there figuring out what school's going to be the right match. And that was also my thing at the beginning. It was like, Oh, first I was stressing, like, how is she ever going to be accepted? They only accept eight kids. There's hundreds and hundreds of applications coming through. Why would they pick us? So I had that first stress on me, and then she was accepted into a school. And now the second stress was going through the politics of the state to see if they were going to cut that check. And someone said to me, and this is now divine intervention again, came into play. So we got to be watching now for that divine intervention. One of the parents, I don't remember who, I just remember her saying, have you heard from the state yet? I was like, no, I haven't. It was the end of May going into June. She was like, well, if they don't send you any information by June 15th about paying for the school, you get the Nickerson letter. I was like, the Nickerson letter? She was like, yes, that's where they have to place you where you want to be placed. So just giving you guys that information as well, Mm -hmm. too, because I think that's hidden information. So once June 15th and nothing came through, I went seeking to find out where's this Nickerson letter. No one knew of this Nickerson letter. I'm calling everyone at the state. Everyone acted like they didn't know of this Nickerson letter. So at the end of the day, I'm not even sure if she went through on the Nickerson letter. I didn't even want to question anything. Only thing I know is that they said is pay for. And I was like, thank you. But the government or the state, they tried to take the money away. So I was accepted by July I had to do like an emergency IEP meeting because the state took so long to give me my answer. And so I remember I had to go to a different location because let's say the, it was summer session. So things were closed down. So someone did my IEP. My daughter was accepted into the school. They did the new IEP to be on track with the standards of that school. They said they were paying for it. And then on August 15th, I got a call from the new school that she was accepted into that she was supposed to be starting in September saying, call your lawyer. The state has took your funding away. And now in New York, we have a summer session, but summer session ends about August 15th. So since I did my IEP in the summertime, I had the phone number to that person that did my IEP. I called her and I was like, hi, remember me? You did that emergency IEP for me. And she was like, yeah, I remember you. I don't know what's going on. The state did something and I need to redo a new IEP and get it accepted. And so then she calls me back an hour later. She gets everybody on the phone, like a special education teacher, whoever was in the building to have this meeting. She was like, you're lucky you called me today. Today is our last day here. We are packing up to leave for the summer. So they do the meeting. They say, okay, yes, approved. She goes to uh, NPS school. 
And then she does this. Then she calls me back about 30 minutes later and says, you know what? I know we had that meeting, but I can't approve this. I was like, what? So obviously she must have called her boss and mm-hmm. said, I just did this. And so this is where, again, the storm got really heavy. <laughs> Got really heavy and I could have thrown in the towel. So like I said, I got through the storm at the end, but my gut was torn up. Yeah. For like I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, what? Oh my God. Like, what am I gonna do? I can never afford this school. How are we gonna do this? Because I didn't get an answer right away. It took a moment for me to get an answer. So she would not approve the IEP that she just said she was approving because she spoke to somebody. So I'm on the phone calling any and everybody. You guys may know Bill de Blasio because of like this whole COVID and stuff, but he wasn't in office yet. I remember calling his office. I was just calling everybody's office to figure out what is going on. I have no idea who made the phone call to the school who approved my daughter, but it took like a good week of me making phone calls. And also the internet wasn't what it is right now. So I know it was a lot of phone call making at that time (laughs) because he's 12 now. So this is when she was like five. So now we can like find and do everything on the internet, but it was a little more old school. But at the end, then the school called me like a week later and they said, you're good now. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't want to stir any pot. (laughs) They said I was good and I took it. And so I had no idea who made a phone call, but it was me being persistent, giving that energy to the universe. Like, I got to make this happen. But at the same time, I wasn't jolly go lucky during that time. Say, oh my God, I'm going to get this just because I said I'm going to get this. No, I was stressed out, like feeling like I want to throw up. Your stomach is like in knots. So, you know, at the end, but you got to just realize, just get through that storm. Mm-hmm. It's so important to just keep pushing, even though I felt like it wasn't going to happen for that week of me just stressing out and calling any and everybody that I could call. But it ended up working out in her favor. So we got in and in September, she started her new school that was paid for by the state. (laughs) (laughs) And she was one of the eight kids accepted. So with all of that stuff that my mind could have like took me down with I still pushed through and she was one of eight kids with the state paying for her tuition so you have to persevere that moment when your stomach is knotted you are stressed but you got to keep moving forward and persevere and I always tell people you know I used to work for the state for public assistance and I used to always say anything that you want it's never going to be like quick and easy. You're going to have to put in some work and persevere and you yeah. have to see it through all the way to the end. And I'm not saying you have to be like grinding, but you have to keep your eye on it. And if something happens like with Unique, what she did, she was like, okay, now who I need to call? Okay, let me get to calling. And sometimes you call people, they brush you off. You keep moving forward. You don't wait. You keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just never know. So you may not get an answer and people are not going to be like, oh, sure, I got you. I have no idea who did what they did (laughs) out of all the phone calls I made. But one of them stuck. One of them got the information and they passed it through. So you just never know. It may not be the person that you think is going to be the one, but you just have to keep pushing. Just so, 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 so important. Yeah, it was a process. And I mean, it's still a process. We're still in the system of schooling. So it's not over yet. It's definitely a journey. But like I said, I wanted to share whatever information I had that I can from my journey to help hopefully 
help someone understand that they got this. They can do this, even though it may seem like, oh, why do I have to go through all this? I don't know. I'm so confused. Because also, I mean, I wish we could be more educated on special education because I was completely clueless. And I think I may have had my little prejudices about special education from being misinformed and just looking at it as one category because some people in my culture always using it as a joke when it's not necessarily a jokeful situation and then it's not even allowing children to be their true selves because they feel like they need to measure up to what society says they're supposed to be and they can never like really embrace the specialness that they have going on for them right and then you also have social media that gives you this false identity of what particular diagnosis look like so mm-hmm. as soon as someone says oh we think your child have you immediately like no because i just watched a tv show and my child doesn't act like that at all mm-hmm. yeah there was one point where i had a doctor say my child had autism and this was when she was in the three four year old stage and i went to a neuro doctor my regular pediatrician suggested like, oh well maybe you should go see a specialist And I went to the specialist and within 10 minutes, he gave a diagnosis that she had autism and he was writing me a prescription. I said, you can keep your prescription. Mm -hmm. And then I, (laughs) because I was like, I'm not giving her no drugs. And then at that time, I was just like, how can he make this diagnosis in 10 minutes? Right. Without any testing. Yeah. Without even talking. That's a whole nother conversation. But because you touched on it, I'm going to touch on just a little bit. Be aware, right, that This is the United States and it is a pharmaceutical country and they will immediately try to give you like first visit. You have a sat and talk to my child. First visit, you're giving him medications. I will never forget my son. We started with anxiety. His anxiety was really bad. We didn't start with drugs. We started with therapy. She said that he doesn't know how it even feels to be calm. We went for something for anxiety. We started with one medication. Next, you know, she added on another one. And another one, he's like six and he's asking me for these pills. What is in these pills? You know what? We good. Cut the pills off. The problem was when we would go, she was a good therapist. So she would ask him about the pills. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you take the pills? Did mom give you the pills? And finally, I'm like, just tell her I gave up the pills. But finally, I had to say, like, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable with him taking these medications. I don't know what the long term is. And I don't feel like that should be the go-to. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like you said, this country is just so drug infested and they feel like that's the, the one old cure. Like let's just write a prescription. Right. That's- be leery and be leery of schools as well. Because sometimes if your child has a behavior, ADD, ADHD, when you sit in the IP meetings, the first or second, maybe the fifth question is like, is your child on medication? Do not be shamed if your child's now on medication. Do not feel like that somehow puts them in power and disempowers you because your child's not on medication. No, your child doesn't have to be on medication. It is their job to, to create a space or environment for your child to access academics. Yes. Period. Your child doesn't have to be on medication for that because there are other modifications that they can do for your child if your child has to fidget, if your child has to have that feedback in their muscles. There's things they can put on their chair. There's things they can have in their hand. Your child doesn't have to be on medication. So don't let that ever let them shame you because they will do that real quick. I don't know about unique, but I've been in meetings with other parents 
as a representative. And I'm like, ooh, that's how we start. You almost immediately start to break their confidence down with that question. Well, I haven't experienced that question with the schools that we've toured. Yeah, I haven't experienced that she take any medication. I don't know if it's maybe because of the reports. I know that was on the reports, the neuropsych report. Is already stated that she, well, she's not on the medication. That's still something oh, that's- I'm like trying to figure out because it's definitely constantly being suggested. <laughs> but I still haven't been, um, went there yet. But like you were saying, with schools that deal with special education, if you look in the classrooms, you will see some of the chairs maybe have a padded seat or just different tools to help that child. And that's why the classrooms are usually smaller. It's usually mm-hmm. an eight to one to one because it's, to be able to attend to that child that may be a little more needy. But then also if your child is like extra needy, you can get a power. Like I know people that has had personal powers with them just in class. Paraeducator. So a paraeducator, everyone, is an individual that works with your child directly to help them access academics or just like support. So you'll have like the teacher. So let's say the the teacher-student ratio in a room could be four to one. Your child actually needs one-on-one. So they will be given a paraeducator that will work with them individually within the group. It can be on your child's IEP. Yeah, so that's just another food for thought. If you need, you feel like, oh my goodness, my child is just so needy and I don't know if the teacher is going to be able to handle him. You maybe request that your child has a one-on-one para. So your child goes to school with everybody else, but that teacher will be in the classroom just for your child. Mm-hmm. And that's a good workaround. If your child is in a classroom and they have an IEP, but you're like, no, these numbers are still wrong. It could be 10 to 1. And the school is saying, well, we don't have the resources. We don't have the teachers. Then your response can be, oh, well, I want my child to have a paraeducator. Yeah. And they have their own personal assistant, basically. Mm-hmm. So now the teacher, if your child is becoming a little more needy, now the parents there to go assist your child with all their needs. Mm-hmm. I don't have experience, but I just know I've seen throughout her travels, I've seen students have powers, which is a great option. It is a great option. Parent Cipher is to provide information and resources. I've heard about it. Well, actually, I know about it. And my mom is actually a paraeducator, <laughs> which she started to do after both my boys were um, diagnosed and she really started to get to understand their diagnosis. That's another conversation. But even though Unique and I have not had paraeducators, it is something that you can ask for. And um, we just want to yeah. let you know that. I just want to say thank you again for gracing us with your journey so that we can all learn from it. But this is the Parent Cipher. So I have to ask, like, what's your favorite hip hop song and a song that helps you persevere? And you said anything Beyonce. <laughs> And I thought about that also, I guess that's Mm -hmm. on the website, but I think I also go with mood. I don't necessarily have a favorite, favorite song, but it depends on what mood I'm in. And that's the vibration I want to get. I think I go more on vibration, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily a go-to song. But if I do need to put an artist in my um, my phone, the first go-to one is Beyonce. But if you go to my Instagram page, I am like, because I always do like videos. Mm-hmm. And always has music. So one video may have the Beatles. <laughs> and another video, I got a trap song on. It's whatever vibration I feel like I need for that moment. <laughs> I understand. 
for me, I just love music overall. You sound like you love music as well. And it is like a vibration. I'm going to be real with you guys. Like right now, my soundtrack is so funny. It's Julie and the Phantoms, which, <laughs> which is like a preteen musical because I love musicals on Netflix. Okay. And right now. I've never seen it. What's it called? Fan- Julie and the Phantoms. And it's a musical, so and they're it, stopping and singing and dancing every five seconds. Right, right. Not every five minutes. I think it's like <laughs> one performance. <laughs> one performance. But it's the songs that get me standing on the edge of great. The things that we go through with life are just stepping stones. And I'm like, yes, because that's like where my mind is. And for me, that's what music is. It's, it's the vibe. Sometimes you want to pump up. Sometimes mm-hmm. you want to contemplate. Sometimes you just need something to pick up your spirits just because it's that type of day. When you said Andy mm-hmm. Beyonce, I was like, yeah, because Beyonce, man, she got some. She got some everything. Like, what, what you want to feel good? You feel bad? <laughs> Beyonce's been taking us on her journey as well, too. It's been going with her life. Right. During her times. So her music from 20 years ago is different from what it is now. Now we got the Afro beats where 20 years ago was more pop. So it's, it's we're on her journey as well, too. Right. And it's great to see other people's journey, especially when it relates to your own. And actually, like when I look at your podcast, I'm like, oh, wow, becoming unique. I'm like a beyond being a mom. And that shift in itself is powerful. I remember like the various conversations I had especially in the midst of my journey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say battling guys just because I remember opening up a book and the book said time to yourself and do not feel like you're a bad parent. And I immediately shut the book because I was like, I don't want, I got time for that. I'm super mom. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm out here hustling, like got four kids. My husband's not working. I can't hear that. I can't hear that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I realized like I was no longer genie. Like I was someone's mom. This is so-and-so's mom. In all of the spaces I was in, it was always in this mom's place or unless I was at work, right? Yeah. And then really getting to understand, you still you. Like, I'm still Jeannie. Like, yeah. Jeannie's a whole entire person. And I have to nourish her because once the kids grow up and they're gone, what am I going to do? And that's why I just I just love that. Before we go, tell people a little bit about your podcast. Because, like... <laughs> Well, I think you did a great job at the beginning with introducing me, but becoming unique is a piece of my journey, but I feel that everyone has a becoming unique journey within them that we all deserve to walk into our individual footprints in life. And along with being informative and just giving like information, like one week we may be talking about essential oils or CBD or herbalism. I always like to also just input a little bit of soul, a little bit of energy or spirit to make us feel like growth is happening. Growth can happen. Not going to say necessarily like wise words, but food for thoughts. You got to check it out to feel the vibration where I'm talking about or check out my Instagram. (laughs) I'm all over the place over there. (laughs) They can catch you on, but I catch you on iTunes, but where else can they catch you? Spotify as well too. And then Google and then there's Anchor and Breaker, which I don't think many people listen to those. Yeah. And I just did a website. So now I have a website so you can keep up with me there. And the website is becomingunique.com. So you can find all links there as well, too. Well, thank you so much for visiting us here in the Cypher. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, oh my goodness. This conversation was just so full and so rich. I just feel like thank you for having me on. I completely appreciate it. And I hope we were able to be informative for at least one person out there. Always remember, you're doing the best what you have. 
Remember to be patient with yourself and your child. Did you know you can support the show on Patreon? So the Parenting Cypher can keep bringing you great content and guests. Just click on the Patreon link in the show notes. Till next time.